And we're back. Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. It is the 42nd day of the Omer count. We are fast approaching Shavuot next Sunday. So we are excited to announce that we are going to be hosting a live event on the Zoom platform. So please go to Torah to the Tribes dot com forward slash connect and connect together with brethren all over the world as we finish and conclude the Oma count, which means we traveled from that barley harvest all the way to the wheat harvest, moving from the flesh into the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, of course, given at Shavuot, commonly called Pentecost, the count of 50. Remember, give us some thumbs up today and do subscribe to this ministry because I tell you what, it helps populate on the algorithms and then people can connect and find a drink of water in a dying and thirsty, thirsty world. We're in Acts, Maaseh Shlechim, the Acts of the Apostles, the 19th chapter today. I'm not going to get very far. It's going to be somewhat topical, but I will give you the context, of course. We're in Ephesus, and I want to touch on four very important points that have impacted me, and I pray that they will impact you and help you in your day and your life as we navigate this world together, the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit, of course, being our guide. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Shaul, Paul, having passed through the upper borders, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, Talmudim, he said to them, Have you received the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, when you believed? And they said to him, We haven't even heard whether there is any such thing as the Ruach HaKodesh. What? How many times have you communicated somebody who alleges that they are in the faith and they have no fruit or no understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, what were they immersed into then? What is it that they're doing? Are they just following their mother or father or spouse's religion? Do they have a form of godliness, yet they are denying its power? They've been immersed into something else, but they haven't been immersed into Yahushua's mikvah, his baptism. This is the powerful point of Acts chapter 19. Four points. Number one, are you baptized into John or are you baptized into Yahushua? Hebraically, have you been mikvahed into Yochanan Hamabil, or have you been mikvahed into Yahusha Hamashiach? Number two, limiting Yahuwah or being empowered by Yahuwah? These, both of these statements, these points, it's a dichotomy, isn't it? Again, are we limiting Yahuwah or are we being empowered by Yahuwah? You see, I'm juxtaposing the spirit and the flesh because that's really what's happening here in the 19th chapter. Number three, and again, a dichotomy. Are we being overcome by difficulties? John, Yochanan. What did he say when he was overcome by difficulties, when he was chained up in the prisons? Should we keep on working? Should we keep on working? Should we keep searching and seeking for another who should come? And what was the report of John's disciples? Oh, well, he, he, he gives the blind sight. He heals the... But John 
was in doubt. His flesh and his fear and his present circumstances had overcome. He was overcome by difficulties represented by the baptism of John. Being overcome by difficulties. Or, number four, are we accepting? Are we accepting his power and overcoming all, and I mean all, difficulties? And the only way we can do that is by accepting. And we can overcome all his difficulties. And by doing so, ascending up on high, leading captivity captive, where he gives gifts unto men. You want to receive amazing gifts, amazing treasures? Then we have to accept the life of Yahushua, and walk in acceptance in this life. And he will lead captivity captive, and he will give gifts unto those that choose that path. Set the context, and then I'll go forward further. Of course, this, the 19th chapter, is all about the mission in Ephesus. So first of all, get the context. We need to understand what the Apostle Paul, Shaul, was up against. Like so many of us today, he was up against a center of occult magic, a center of pagan ways, of course, Ephesus being the very center of the occult pagan magic of the Roman world. We are the recipients of a culture that has formed and formation of such things. And then we come in to see this remarkable young man, Apollos. He arrived in Ephesus shortly after Shaul had been there. We saw that in the 18th chapter and the 19th verse. We have to understand the background of this amazing man, Apollos. He came from Alexandria, Egypt. Now, Alexandria, Egypt was the second largest city in the empire with about half a million inhabitants. And as many as a fifth, a hundred thousand of them were Jews. It was a very, very scholarly, educated community. Apollos, of course, was well-trained in and learned, adept in handling the scriptures which is how we should be. It's written in James 3. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. This has troubled me, and this was the very thing that made me hesitant at the beginning of this journey that I commenced 25 years ago, a passage like this and another like this. First Timothy 1 verse 6, some having swerved have turned aside into vain jangling. I like that traditional King Jimmy translation there. Some having swerved have turned aside into vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law understanding neither what they say nor wherewith they affirm. But we know that the law, the Torah, is good, Don, when? If a man uses it lawfully, properly. And I confess to you, and those of you that have followed this ministry for many years, you will witness, if you even go back in the archives, that with a misplaced zeal and my younger youthful passion, I swerved way too far into the path of the messianic movement, into vain janglings. Go back in the archives and listen. Getting puffed up I was in learning, getting puffed up in knowledge, desiring to teach the truth of the Torah, I erred. Why? the mishandling, and oftentimes mishandling of the sheep. I used the Torah in my youthful zeal unlawfully. 
instead of mercy, instead of love, instead of compassion that should have been driving me. What was driving me was knowledge, was, was um, the fact that I had been deceived in the past by religion and there was an upset there and an angst there that was driving me from these perceived deceptions and betrayals by prior religious institutions and the culture. There, I got into vain janglings. I repent. I repent. We should all strive to be like Apollos, learned and adapt in how we handle the scriptures. This most amazing, my Bible smells so good. It's so well worn, you know. It's just that. Old leather, thumbed through pages with a slight scent of Marmite. And it really does. I just strewn a bunch of Marmite in there this morning as I was. <laughs> and coffee. There may even be pieces of tobacco from many, many, many years ago. Oh, Father, I repent. Have mercy upon me. Oh, foolish man that I am. Would you rather place your hands, your life, in the hands of a merciful father? Or would you rather place your hands, your life, I should say, in the hands of men? Well, my brethren, we have come to an age where the majority would rather place their life in the hands of men, and they are about to bear forth that fruit. As for me, and I pray for you, that you would rather place your life into the hands of Yahweh. You remember the promises that we have that have been given to us through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our father, that you shall, your descendants shall be as numerous that you won't be able to count them. As the stars in the Shamayim, as the sand on the seashore. And David, in his carnality, in his lack of faith, in his flesh, that of course none of us ever struggle with, he decided that he was going to try and count what Yahweh said could never be counted that he was going to limit Yahuwah. Have you ever been guilty? To limit Yahuwah because of your lack of faith, Matthew. Your lack of faith. You limit Yahuwah. You try to count what cannot be counted. You try to number what cannot be numbered. Second Samuel 24, verse 12. And Yahuwah's response was this. Thus saith Yahuwah, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them that I may do it unto thee. And if you place your life in the hands of men, you will only ever be given two choices. You plead guilty or not guilty. What do you plead? But if you place your life into the hands of Yahuwah, there is another way. And it goes against everything that your eyes see, everything that your ears hear, everything that this world would have you believe that is occult Ephesian magic. It's magnified. It's everywhere around you, and you've been drinking it and wading through it your whole lives. That if someone to come along and tell you other, you couldn't see it. You couldn't see it because culturally, generationally, societally, religious, you've been baptized into something else. You were sold at birth into another baptism. But there is another way. 
regardless of which way you choose, you're always going to have to walk through the process, which is called the refiner's fire. It's called life. It's called the milling and the pressing. In the 13th verse, so Gad came to David, 2 Samuel 24, verse 13. What am I doing there? Don't worry. Don't be concerned. I will tie it back into Acts chapter 19. Yahuwah willing. So Gad came to King David and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Do you want that choice? Or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee? Door number two. Or that there be three days pestilence in thy land. And David said unto Gad, I am in great strait. Who's in great strait right now? Who is feeling in great strait? Let us fall now into the hand of Yahuwah, for his mercies are great, and let me not fall into the hand of man. This world is pushing you, is trying to corral you, with only two options. And both of them place you into the hands of man. And it's not going to result in anything at all beneficial to your life, body, soul, and spirit. You're placing yourself into the hands of men. It is akin to three months before thine enemies pursuing you. It is akin to seven years famine. Do not believe what is before your eyes. There is another option. They say, no, there isn't. You either have to do this or you have to do that. That is the only option for the heathen. For those that have been baptized into something else, they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power because there is no Holy Spirit to guide and convict them to fall into the hands of Yahweh, the third option that will never, ever be revealed to the Philistine. It will never be revealed to the Philistine because the Philistine does not have the power of the Holy Spirit to discern that it is even available to them. Look at the second verse of Acts chapter 19. We tie it back in. Because he said to them, Have you received the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, when you believed? And they said to him, We have not even heard whether there is any Ruach HaKodesh. It's always been about receiving the power of the Ruach, has it not? It's always been about what? we've been immersed into. Were you immersed into pride? Were you immersed into the seeking and pursuit of knowledge? Were you immersed into status? Were you immersed into your mother's or father's religion? Were you immersed into your spouse's religion? Did you just come along and step into it? Is that what you were immersed into? Structure? Or did you have a transformation and the f power of the Holy Spirit descend upon you and come into you and you live the Master's resurrected, life-changing, transformative power of inception. There is only one who died. There is only one who was buried. 
And there is only one that rose from the dead after three days. And there is only one who sits at the right hand of the Father. We need to accept to be able to get the remedy. Accepting his death. Accepting his burial. Accepting his resurrection. And then we receive the indwelling power to be able to navigate whatever is before us. That is the mikvah, the transformative mikvah of Yahushua. But so many people kick against the pricks. Myself included. In Rome, Paul said this in the ninth chapter and the 20th verse. But who are you, O man, to answer back to Elohim? I don't, why, why is this happening to me? What have I done? Will that which is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? How many times? How many times do we have to go through this, Matthew? Don, how many times? See, too much pursuit of knowledge without utter dependence upon the Father, dependence on meekness and dependence upon the Holy Spirit puts us in the position where we have limited Yahuwah. And too many of you out there, you are limiting Yahuwah in your life because you have inadvertently because of the culture and the pressure, specifically over the past year, think that your life is in the hands of men and that you only have two options. And that is limiting what Yahuwah can do in our life in this world. Because as this world is going through this, if we choose the third option, we will actually become the plunderers. Of everything. We get the spoils because they're so busy bowing before men, bowing before the culture, bowing before whatever is set before them. They're afraid. They have no remedy because they've let, they have bought the lie that there is only two options. They have no spirit to guide them. The Ruach HaKodesh. I want to talk about limiting Yahuwah due to not hearing the Ruach HaKodesh. Because right now, in this day, in this age, I tell you the truth. It is hearing, Shema Yisrael, hearing the still small voice and hearing the Ruach HaKodesh in us that will bring us to amazing amazing places it's beyond my intelligence it's beyond my knowledge it's beyond my transgressions beyond your sin the power of the holy spirit to transform defeat into victory disease into health death into life anything anything do you want to be baptized into john or would you rather be baptized into Yahushua? It's a dichotomy. The baptism, the mikvah of Yochanan, is a parable for the limited state of faith. It's me limiting Yahuwah by my unbelief, by my fear, by my anxieties. It's form without substance, religion without full indwelling spirit relationship. It is written, John Yochanan verily mikford, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Yahushua. And when they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the master Yahushua. Now, if you go back to the Torah... In Exodus, Shemot, chapter 20, verse 4. You can turn there if you want. The natural mind, bear with me. I hope you can connect with me here. 
the natural mind cries out for something to help it worship Yahweh. That's what the natural, natural mind... The natural mind cries out for something to help it worship Yahuwah. But nothing, listen, but nothing in man's limited imagination can ever measure up. So anytime a man devises an image of God other than the true Elohim, what happens? I just laid something down on you very heavy, and I don't know if you got it. I've been meditating on it, so I have an advantage. So I'm going to repeat it to you, okay? It comes from idolatry, of course, the Ten Commandments. Remember the children of Israel? They were limiting Yahweh. They had limited perception, limited faith. So therefore, their natural mind cried out for something to help them worship Yahuwah. And in their folly, because they were limiting, because their limited mind needed help, they created an image, a golden calf, an icon. All of these images that you see in traditional papal churches. Because there is no spirit there. There's no Ruach HaKodesh. There's no manifestation of the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. So therefore, there must be much imagery, many icons, and there must be a lot of form, structure, and function. Because there is no power. It must be very elaborate. It must be very magnificent. It must appeal to the eyes. It must appeal to the hearing. Because there is no power in its very, very form and structure. It's devoid. They've been baptized into something else. Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 to 6 specifically talks about how the natural mind cries out for something to help it worship Yahuwah. Because man's limited imagination could never, ever measure up. So, anytime man then devises an image of God, other than the true Yahuwah, a predictable effect occurs, and it's written of by the psalmist. Turn with me to Psalm 78, verse 40. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tested Yahuwah and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Limiting Yahuwah due to not hearing the Ruach HaKodesh. Limiting Yahuwah because of idolatry because you were mikvahed into the wrong mikvah. Because you follow form and religion and function instead of having the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to guide you, which is the immersion of Yahushua. Psalm 78, verse 40, how they provoked him in the wilderness. A human mind will limit Yahuwah. How can anyone rationally think that a creation of man can be greater than man. That's insanity. How can anyone rationally think that a creation of man can be any greater than man? Yet right now, our world is depending upon their lives on a creation of man that they think is going to be greater than the man or woman that they naturally are. They've fallen into the hands of man. They're going to either have a seven-year plague, a seven-year famine, excuse me, 
or they are going to be pursued by man. And that's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of man. Meaning our thoughts and our ideas, creations of our mind, are not greater than Yahweh's dealings with us. Don't let the creations of your mind be greater than Yahweh's dealings with you. And when I teach, I teach from experience in my life currently and in the past and the hopes of the future because I believe that the Ruach HaKodesh in me guides me to help us through the scripture in navigating today our very world that we live in. Because too many times we can create something in our mind and then we limit the power of Yahweh in his actual dealings with us. That's idolatry. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 adds something which is very sobering in thought. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. They've all been mikvahed into the mikvah of John. Or they've decided to place themselves in the hands of men. They believe their salvation is going to come from the invention of men. They really do. But what they don't realize is there's a seven-year famine coming to those that have done it. And that if that does not happen to them, then, when, then, they will be pursued by the very ones that they think are looking after them. Because they've placed their selves and their trust in the hands of men. But there's a third option. From such people, we need to turn away. If somebody's placed their hands their life into the hands of men. We need to turn away from such people. Not in the faith. They're not in the faith. I do not want to get caught up in a seven-year famine. That is not the choice for me and my house. I do not want to be pursued by mine enemies and fall into the hands of man. That is not my choice. You can always repent and place yourself into the hands of Yahuwah. And there will, you'll still be part of the process. And there's always going to be a little bit to pay. But ultimately, you get to live the life that he has for you. Because limiting Yahuwah creates idolatry. Because we must turn to another source if we want to be delivered from something that is unsettling us. And that is what this world is full of idolaters. They've turned to another source because something is unsettling them. They're afraid. It's so scary. So they turn to another source because they're unsettled by the present circumstances of this world. That is the root of pagan Ephesian magic. It's a cult. It's poison and witchcraft. Do we limit Yahuwah by failing to use his counsel in every aspect of our lives because we fear it won't work or because we refuse to humble ourselves to try his way? You see, the real basis of idolatry, other than ignorance, is that self-willed man refuses to surrender himself to worship Yahuwah as he commands and extend mercy to his fellow man the way that Yahuwah demands. 
Remember, worship is our response to Yahweh. It's our response to Yahweh, and it occurs in many ways every day. In Psalm 78, verse 40 to 42, provoked means to be to rebel against. Israel's disrespect and irreverence produced the fruit of limiting Yahuwah's willingness and power to provide for them in the situation. Why would we do that? Don't you want Yahuwah to provide for you in your situation right now? Well, if you in your mind then set boundaries on what you think Yahuwah can and cannot do, that's idolatry. You see, the psalmist shows us here In their lack of faith, they mentally boxed themselves in. They mentally drew lines, concluding that Yahweh could not or would not provide for them in their circumstance. Well, he can't deliver me from this plague. Oh, this is too much. Oh, I'm going to go place myself into the hands of man. Yes, that's a very good remedy there. Very good. Yeah. Really? You Philistine, you heathen, I'm surrounded by heathens. So I should, I should be like them then. Surely, surely I should follow the majority. They're insane. Their minds have set boundaries because they're idolaters. They choose to arrive at their own solutions, which will always result in sin and death. They were not living by faith, but by sight. Hebrews 4 verse 1 confirms this was at the base of Israel's absolute failures in the wilderness. They were limiting Yahweh. They were lacking reliance upon his Ruach HaKodesh. Hebrews chapter 4, it is written, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached, it didn't profit them, did it? not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They were immersed into something else. They were not immersed by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Now let me give you an example. Okay, you can turn with me to the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew chapter 15, verse 33. I think this is a really great example. Okay, Yahushua, he's calling the disciples to himself. Not because he needs some kind of answer about the food problem, okay? But Yahushua calls the disciples to himself. He's not concerned about the food, but what? He wants to test their faith. How the disciples often often throughout the Gospels, failed these tests. And this one is no exception. We'll see it. You see, the disciples in the feeding of the 4,000, they express skepticism about feeding the crowd. Their store of food is very low. Your resources are low. My resources are low. My abilities are low. This is, this is too much of a problem. This is a big problem. This is way too big. It's, it's, it's worldwide. I need to go, go put myself in the hands of men. It's my only solution. They're only giving me these two options. You insane Philistines. But even before Yahushuan ask, they say this. We... Key word. We cannot provide the bread. You see, they don't want to be asked to do it because they lack the means. We cannot provide the bread. They see what they've got. 
And they don't want to be asked to perform. They don't want to be asked to do it because they know that they lack the means. I myself, I have very little means to do anything for Yahweh. Although I may strive to do what I can, but when I look at my ability to serve, when I look at my ability to communicate and teach, I must include Yahuwah's power as the primary means of accomplishing anything. And my wife will testify to this. The disciples don't do that. If I had to depend upon my means to teach, if I had to depend upon my means to navigate whatever is coming at me in the world, oh my goodness. In the, in the view of the disciples, finding that much food was an impossibility, was it not? Especially in such a desolate place, right? So circumstances and magnification overwhelmed them. How many times have we convinced ourselves? And I am not preaching at you. This is coming from me, from my convictions of my lack of faith. How many times have we, not just you, me, how many times have we convinced ourselves that Yahweh cannot work in a place because it's too hard of a location? This is way too hard of a circumstance, and I am in the bloody desert here. Those little demons and snakes and serpents, they're all surrounding me. Truly, where faithlessness exists, not much of Yahuwah's work is going to get done. Is it? Harsh, trying, limiting conditions cannot obstruct Yahuwah's work if he positions us to work in a place. Meaning this, and this is the great revelation this week for me, his power overcomes all difficulties. To the disciples, the crowd, it was enormous. It was much too large for them to feed. Even if they could provide some food, there's no way it was going to be enough. What if your situation that you presently find yourself in? It's so big. It's so massive. There's no way I can possibly... Oh, ye of little faith. It's too large for me to accomplish anything. Even if I could do something. So much water has passed under the bridge, it would never be enough. Oh, ye of little faith. Sometimes we let the size of the crowd, the magnitude of our problems, devalue Yahuwah. Matthew, Don, you're right in front of me, so I get to pick on you plus one vicar to another, you know what I mean? The size of the crowd, the magnitude of our problems, devalue Yahuwah, and it becomes an obstacle to our faith. At times, too, we can be tempted to acquiesce to the majority, and in doing so, we go against the Ruach HaKodesh touch on our conscience. And that touch on our conscience damages our faith, and it damages our convictions. And it is only going to be the Ruach HaKodesh touch on my conviction that is going to get me through whatever crowd, no matter how big it is, and no matter what little I have. 
Look at the third verse of the 19th chapter. And he said to them, Into what then were you immersed? And they said, Into Yochanan Hamat Beel's mikvah. Into John the Baptist's baptism. Then said Shaul, Yochanan Hamat Beel truly immersed with a mikvah of teshuva, of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who came after him. That is on Messiah Yahushua. And verse 5, when they heard this, they then were immersed in the name of the master, Yahushua. And when Shaul had laid his hands upon them, the Ruach HaKodesh came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Now, today, more than ever, we need to be so watchful of who we surround ourselves with. Beware of those who come from a strange background. Beware of those that are completely ignorant to the power of the Holy Spirit. In what were you mikvahed? Should be the question. Form, function, structure, religion, the religion of your fathers, your families, your spouse... I don't see the power of a professing power-changed Holy Spirit baptism. It can't just be repentance. Yes, we must repent. But if we limit it to just repentance, we're in Yochanan's immersion. It has to be both repentance and a faith decision. Every day that my faith would overcome everything else that my mind would choose for me to do. Realize, in Yahushua's baptism, repentance and faith, we are empowered to overcome skepticism. We are empowered, even when we lack the means, we do what the Father asks of us. And it's up to Him then to provide the means for us. Yahweh's power will always be a primary means to accomplish anything in life. We can find riches in impossible, desolate places. No matter how hard a location, no matter how hard a circumstance, truly, where faithfulness exists, Yahuwah's work will be done. It is. His power overcomes difficulties. Never let our problems devalue Yahuwah. Never let it become an obstacle to our faith. There will always be people, verse 9, who have become hardened, and speak evil of you before men. Fear not. But when some were hardened and believed not, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them. By being immersed, always in Yahushua's mikvah, every single day we are able to depart from the Philistine from those that are following form and function, and we can find Shalom, peace, and shalom be upon you all. I think that's good for today. And then we'll do a second part next week. It's the juxtaposition between the two mikvahs and the indwelling power of the Ruach Kakodesh. Do not let your mind limit you which will lead to idolatry. Do not believe what they are selling in this global, if you want, some of you are offended with that, in this worldwide epidemic where they are only providing you with two solutions. Two solutions. Fall into the hands of man or fall into the hands of man. 
If you don't fall into the hands of man, then you're going to fall into the hands of man. A self-fulfilling prophecy of Philistines. But there's another way. Fall into the hands of a merciful Yahweh. And yes, you'll still have to go through some things, but you will have the remedy right there before you. And the others, the Philistine, the heathen, blinded. It will never be shown to the Philistine because they cannot see what has not yet been revealed because that only comes by the power of a transformed, born-again life. It's powerful stuff. Let's see what you got to say on the chit, chat, chit, chat, chat. All right. Remember, it is the 42nd day of the Omer transforming our lives from that barley carnal lack of faith animal nature counting all the way to Shavuot where we are transformed into the wheat harvest wheat of course being that spiritual human food all right let's see what you guys have to say oh I've got to have a little bit of sip here yes All right, let me refresh the old, uh, what kind of chat are we in here? How do I do that? Oh, the navigate. Hmm. Bear with me. I lost the chat. Where did it go? Maybe I need to refresh my screen. Hang on, give me a second here. Getting a bit behind the, bit behind the curve here. Ah, oh, there you are. Top chat. No, we want all chat. Live chat. There you are. All right. Much more truth. You just popped right up. How are you down there in Florida? What do you think it means to worship the Father in Ruach and Amet? Spirit and truth, chapter 4, verse 23. I just told you what I think. I think that's what this whole chapter is about. Choosing the right mikvah and relying upon the Holy Spirit to guide us in all things. Oh, here we go. Fall into the hands of man. Truth like Velcro tells us that Major, Major, Mayor, sorry, can't read, Mayor de Blasio is offering cheeseburgers and fries <laughs> to take the vax. Will Jimmy Buffett come to be vax? So again, you really, I mean, amazing, amazing stuff, isn't it? What a, it is, it is just a worldwide madness right now. Oh, my goodness. Sweet and Salty says, at Torah to the tribes, why do you think Paul took the Nazarite vow in Acts chapter 18, verse 18? Oh, I'm being a little facetious. He didn't take a Nazarite vow in Acts chapter 18, verse 18, did he? Did he? See, see how we have been so programmed to think things? Go read it. He didn't take a Nazarite vow in chapter 8. He ended one. Right? Big difference. Why? Well, he was out in the dispersion, wasn't he? So he ended it. So where would he have had to go back? He still had to fulfill the requirements. That's another. That's a whole teaching in itself. It's a very good one. Daryl Palmer, Shabbat Shalom. He says he has toured Ephesus, used to be on, used to be on the bay. Romans had to dig a channel to get there. Now it's located outside of the city of Kusadasai. Kusadasai. Wow, yes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, you can go on Paul's missionary journeys and um, see... Lolita Jones says, we must rely totally upon the rule of Kakodesh. Awesome teaching again. I'm loving this week after week. Well, bless you, Lolita. Thank you so much. Remember, share this teaching with a friend, with a family member. Give us some thumbs up and subscribe to the ministry. And make sure you go to the website, TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and connect with brethren you can connect on the facebook page and the different groups and you'll be amazed that there's somebody most probably right in your area whatever country you're at 
right, let's see. Ah, oh, we've got Gilda watching from Hawaii. Good. Shabbat Shalom, Gilda. Here's a great one from Breathe, Think, Love. Yahweh says in Exodus 23, verse 22, Behold, I am sending a messenger, Yahusha, before you, Panaim, to guard you when we shamar his voice and do all he says. He becomes our defense and takes away our sicknesses. Amen, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. I love it when you guys throw scripture up there. Lolita Jones says they cannot see what has not yet been revealed. Isn't that the truth? So we pray. We pray for those that are blinded by the overwhelming surge of the world. Ah, Shabbat Shalom Libby down at the Libby tube. She puts up a scripture. Love it when you do that, Libby. But when some were hardened and did not believe, speaking evil of the way before the crowd... He withdrew from them and separated the taught ones, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannos. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. That is it. Love it. Love it. Ah, see what else we got. Hey, if you've got a question, throw it up there in the chat. Now is your opportunity. I may not be able to give you the answer, but I'll give it a good crack. I will give it a good crack. Let's see. You can always redline me if you want. Yes, much more true. Third option, come out of her, my people. Exactly, exactly. That is the best option. That is. Definitely Diesel Grandpa up there in Snohomish. Definitely a separating of the wheat from the tares, definitely, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. So many people. Busy, busy, busy. Look at that. Live chat. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Well, I don't think we got anything more. You guys are kind of quiet, though. I mean, there's a fair bit of you on here. Oh, here's a nice one from Shazy Kellner. Shabbat Shalom, Matthew. Thank you for such an encouraging teaching and great reminder to press into Yahuwah and let his Ruach guide our lives. Blessings to you and your family. Thank you so much, sister. Praises upon high. Yahuwah is faithful. Jerry Park, Shabbat Shalom, mate. He says, a human mind will limit Yahuwah. So true. So too will be will be being among human-minded people. Better to be set apart, even alone, fasting and praying, feasting on his word, receiving the work of the Ruach. That is the truth. That is the truth. Feasting on the power of the Ruach. Now, Karen Long, she types in here, it's been five months now since the sting, that of a scorpion, the locusts. It began on December the 14th here in the United States. Oh, see, I love it when you guys get all apocalyptic on me. I don't need much encouragement in that department, do I? Yes, yes, I love it. I love it. Remember, prepare for Shavuot next weekend, next Sunday. Count the Omer, read the Psalms, and rejoice whatever circumstances you find you're in, because we are not of this world, and this world is passing away so fast. So fast. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, Mickey asks a question, and um, I would respond with one word. Shedding. Mm -mm -mm. Alma Gordon was making a correction. Omer. It is the Omer count. That is correct. 
Steve's got a question. Do you believe one can self-mikvah or are witnesses necessary? You want to you have witnesses, but that doesn't mean you can't self-mikvah. I mean, I've had people literally FaceTime me and um, go down into the um, rivers of immersion, right? That's why when we mikvah people, we like to do it in the public because you want the public, even the Philistines, to, to see what's going on, right? You want to be that public, and you want public witnesses. So you want to have that witness. Definitely want a witness, but it could be a friend on a phone call. It could be, you know, but yeah, it's a public declaration. It's a public declaration for sure. Oh, Michelle's calling me out on my folly. Michelle is calling me out. Last week, you spoke of four of four of six points. Will you speak on the last two? You didn't get to last week. See, you've got to hold me accountable, don't you see? Good grief. I've got to go back to go forward. That's what Michelle's telling me. Well, good point, Michelle. I think you're right there. But I'm still not answering your question, am I? I'm, I'm on the fly at this point. I can't even remember. See, so much has transpired. It's amazing. B and K Campbell says thus. We have to be salt of the earth. They used it as fertilizer is what he was tell talking about. We have to be in the world acting as salt, but not of it. We do not need to fear any pestilence. Yes, I agree totally. Now, Dominic must be really hungry because Dominic Roy put up some kind of donut. What was it? Donut time? So I, I like it. I like it. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, very good, very good statement there. Thank you, Angela. Bonjour, bonjour, and Shabbat Shalom to you. Everyone should have collodial silver on hand. Totally agree. Get that collodial silver on hand. You know, I, I've I've used that in all kinds of all kinds of areas. You know, I was getting a sty, and I in my eye. And, um, you know, they've got all that medicine you put in there. didn't do anything for me. I just started dropping collodial silver in my eye. Boom. Two days, gone. Just gone. You get a little skin, skin rash, a little bit of collodial silver. Yeah, it does amazing things. Drink it every day. It's great for you. Ever seen uh, My Fat Greek Wedding where they just use Windex? Anything you got better Windex? That's me with the collodial silver. What's your problem? <laughs> Yeah, uh, drop it in the eye. Deodorant, collodial silver. Just drink the stuff. Bathe in the stuff. It's fabulous stuff. Yeah, can't get enough of it. Some people actually make their own. Mm -mm -mm. Macchiata tells us pine terpenes protect against spike proteins. Turpentine. What? Don't know about that. Like to know about that. Collodial silver, antiviral, Angela Bonjour, Cairo Alexander. Now we're off on a med medicinal um, um, thread here, 40 parts per million. <laughs> I love it. Da -da 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 -da. What are you guys doing out there? Giant killer's got the sword of the word, love it. Diesel grandpa's talking about movies. What are you guys doing? Windex is real too, Cairo Alexander. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I forget the, the actual brand of the collodial silver I like to use, but uh, yeah, they, you know, some bad brands aren't as good as others. So anyway, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, I will leave you guys to chat it up in the comment section and greet one another every Shabbat and connect at TorahToTheTribes.com. Leave us some comments down below. The comment section is to edify one another, help one another, and make connections as well. So, you know, this is a blessing to be a part of Torah to the Tribes, all of us together. So thank you for all the hard work, everybody here in the studio, and all of you out there hosting all of the platforms. Tamara and Libby are going to be putting a, together the Shavuot 
presentation and hosting that next week. And of course, every single Shabbat, we've got Shabbat fellowship, we've got men's prayer, women's prayer, so many groups, six days a week, you can connect with one another if you so want, because we do not want you to feel isolated out there. Bless one another and Shabbat Shalom.